Pastor Neil, I just want to say thank you so much for joining us today on this podcast. Hey, would you do us a huge favor today? Would you subscribe, like, or leave us a review wherever you get this content? It really helps us reach other people with the gospel. Also, we would love, love to see you at our campus uh, on a Sunday morning. We meet at 1010 South Bowie Drive in Weatherford, Texas. You can check out our service times and more information about the church on our, on our website, waterhousechurch.com. Check us out on Facebook or any other social media sites that you may have. We would love to see you. I pray that today you are renewed, restored, refreshed, and that your spirit comes alive. Now here is today's message. Thank you very much. Uh, my name is Michael Ologio. I'm a a volunteer pastor in Colleyville, Texas, was a kids minister here. I've been here a couple of times, but I may not know each of you, but I hope to get to know more of you. A um, couple of quick things. So this Bible that I have right here actually came from this church. Uh, before it was Waterhouse, it was Westwood. And uh, it has the names Michael Tucker, Ashley Holstead, and then Whenever I saw it laying around and not being used forever, I just put a big X through all of that for use in children's <laughs> church, Michael Elogio, knowing that they would let me have it. And I, I took it with me because I just really like it. <laughs> I really like it. So there's always a little part of you with me. Uh, this is the Bible that I use for my devotions. Um, I take my Devo time right before I start my work day. And uh, it's, so it's been a blessing. So whether you meant to or not, thank you. I appreciate it. <laughs> Uh, I know Neil and Debbie are having an a awesome time in Florida, and uh, we're all envious. We're all very envious. If you have your Bibles, if you would, go ahead and turn them to Acts chapter number 8. If you have a device, that's fine too. If not, eventually it's going to be up on the screen. We're going to be centering uh, on quite a bit of text this morning, but I promise we're going to get through it. Uh, we're going to learn some stuff. The, if there could be a title to the message this morning, it's going to be called Going through the motions, but I have a question. Have you ever just gone through the motions? Yep. And do you know what I mean specifically when I say that? Now, for those of you that maybe don't know, which I think everybody has a pretty firm understanding what I mean when I say going through the motions, it means when you're taking part of an activity, when you're taking part in some sort of activity, but your heart's not really into it. Say you're at work and you just show up. Uh, I, it doesn't matter what you're doing. You're, you're, maybe you're digging a ditch. I've done that before. And it's not all that fun, so you just go through the motions. Shovel in, dirt out. Shovel in, dirt out. Or maybe you're uh, doing something else that I do that you do I, IT work, and you just show up, and you're just, whatever. I don't care. I'm here. That's enough. Going through the motions. Now, yesterday, or on any day that there is either high school, college, or professional sports, we will often scream at the television or the field or someone and accuse certain players of just going through the motions, won't we? They'll show up and we're like, they're, they're, their heart's not into it. Uh, personally, my University of Texas Longhorns had an entire season full of going through the motions. <laughs> Brother Jacob, sorry, man. Brother Mark, me and you, kindred spirits, go Longhorns, but they went through the motions. They just went through the motions this season, didn't they? They, they were a living example for just this morning. That was their purpose this morning apparently sometimes you can call it just spinning your wheels you should care but you just don't you just don't really care do you but with a show of hands how many of you have felt this way if you're online maybe just click the hand wave emoji 
Yeah, we all kind of know. We all kind of kind of know. And maybe if you've got your phone and you're looking at the online stream, you can just put the hand wave emoji up there for those that maybe not know. So in Acts chapter 8, we read about a guy named Simon. Simon was guilty of a lot of things, but I think if we could put uh, a title or a point of view on it, we're going to say that he was guilty of going through the motions more than anything else. So we're going to start reading in Acts chapter 8, verse number 9. We're going to read all the way through 25. I know it's a lot, but you're all grown. You'll be fine. <laughs> I'm reading out of the New International Version, so if your device maybe doesn't have that, you can download it quickly or just look on the screens. I promise it's going to be great. Starting in verse number uh, 9, it says, Now for some time a man named Simon had practiced sorcery in the city and amazed all the people of Samaria. He boasted that he was someone great. We can just stop right there, couldn't we? He boasted that he was someone great. The Bible's full of people that did the same thing. And if you go look up their end, it was never well. And all the people, both high and low, gave him their attention and exclaimed, This man is the divine power known as the great power. Some of your translations will say known as God. They followed him because he had amazed them for a long time with his magic. Sorry, these uh, words are very small in this Bible, which is why I have my glasses and the, and the red lights messing me up, but I'm, I'm going to make it through. But when they believed Philip as he preached the good news of the kingdom of God, Philip was an evangelist sent by the church in Jerusalem. And so he, he was doing what evangelists do. He was there proclaiming the word of God, and Simon heard it, and that's what we're seeing here. It said, and the name of, he preached in the name of Jesus. They were baptized, both men and women. Simon himself believed and was baptized. And he followed Philip everywhere, astonished by the great signs and the miracles he saw. Verse 14. When the apostles in Jerusalem heard that Samaria had accepted the word of God, they sent Peter and John to them. This is the same Peter and John that were part of the original 12 disciples. So it's the exact same Peter and John. And it said, when they arrived, they prayed for them that they might receive the Holy Spirit because the Holy Spirit had not yet come upon any of them. They had simply been baptized into the name of the Lord Jesus. Then Peter and John placed their hands on them and they received the Holy Spirit. When Simon saw the Spirit was given at the laying on of the apostles' hands, he offered them money and said, give me also this ability so that everyone on whom I lay my hands may receive the Holy Spirit. We could have a, we probably have a lot of thoughts that are centered around that verse alone and what's going on there, but uh, hang with me just a little bit longer. It's kind of crazy and it's an odd story, but, uh, but it's, it gets better. Peter answered, may your money perish with you because you thought you could buy the gift of God with money. You have no part or share in this ministry because your heart is not right before God. Repent of this wickedness and pray to the Lord. Perhaps he will forgive you for having such a thought in your heart. For I see that you are full of bitterness and captive to sin. Then Simon answered, Pray the Lord for me so that nothing you have said may happen to me. When the Lord had testified and proclaimed the word of the Lord, Peter and John returned to, the, to Jerusalem, preaching the gospel in many Samaritan villages. Let's pray. Father, you've done a lot this morning already in the hearts and lives of the believers that are here you're doing, a, you're going to continue to do a lot. But I just pray for the next few moments that you quiet our minds, quiet our internal spirit so that we don't hear from me specifically, but we hear from you, that internal witness of the Holy Spirit that you've given each of us. 
that we discern what is of you and what is not, that we allow your word to change us this morning so that we leave different than when we came here this morning. We believe that by faith now before it even happens. In Jesus' name, and the church said, amen, amen and amen. So we read about this guy, Simon, and it says in verse 9 and 10, we find out that he practices sorcery or witchcraft. That's what, that's what he does. Uh, now, sometimes the word sorcery, when it's used in the New Testament, means drug use. But there's no evidence that says that it wasn't anything outside of some form of occultic practice here at this particular point. Now, this is not new in the Bible. King Saul encountered the, the witch in, in the Old Testament when he was trying to communicate with Saul. These things may not be that prevalent here in the States, but they are still prevalent in other parts of the world. It is simply do, performing some sort of act, but the important piece is this. He boasted that he was great. He said, I am great. And this contrasts completely with Scripture, which teaches us as believers to live a very humble life, a life that is fuel, full of humility. As a matter of fact, Matthew chapter 20, verses 28 says, The Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. Jesus gave us the perfect example of humility. He came not to be served, though he was king, though he is Savior, though he is Messiah. He had every right to say, bow down and worship me. Because what did we just do? We bowed our hearts before him and we worship and sang. He's worthy of all praise, the only one worthy of all praise. But that's the life we're to live is to mirror his, not to accept the praise, but to say, I came to serve others, others before self. And although the people attributed his power to God, because he's named as a sorcerer, we have to understand that Luke, the one who wrote the book of Acts, is trying to tell us his power did not come from God. Now, why would he go to such links to maybe explain that? We have to understand that at this time, Luke wrote the letter. People may have, this guy may still have been alive at that time. What he did as a sorcerer in that area may have been well known. He may have been famous. Luke's trying to say, I don't care what magic works he performed. I don't care if someone raised from the dead. Whatever it was that he did did not come from God. It is not of God. And that's important for us to remember because sometimes people do really good things, but they don't do it with the spirit of God or with the heart of Jesus. They do it in their own flesh. They do it with their own money, their own resources, their own talents. And it's important that we see the distinction. Not every good thing comes from God, but all good things do come from God, do they not? Or all things from God are good, rather. The people were deceived by his power, and Simon was deceived into thinking that he himself was someone great. Then in verse 12, we see Philip the evangelist coming into town and shaking things up. Now, some of you may have heard this. Some of you may have experienced it, but uh, a long time ago, maybe not that long ago, uh, a famous evangelist would come into town. Uh, before there were nice, nifty church buildings everywhere, they would put up tents. Or if there wasn't a big enough church building, they would put up tents in a field and the evangelist would come. Billy Graham was probably the most famous of all in the United States. And people would come from all around and they would hear the gospel message many for the very first time. And it shook things. 
There are reports that in little towns in Colorado or in Wyoming or in, even in Utah, California, and Texas, where an evangelist would come to town and the whole city shut down for weeks at a time because the people were devoting themselves to the work of the ministry that was happening there. Now, that would seem odd to us today, but life's a little different now. But that's what's going on here. Here at this point in the story, Philip shows up to a group of people that are considered outcasts, the Samaritans. But yet he preaches the gospel message, the saving knowledge of Jesus. They came to believe, and we know this because they were baptized in water. They publicly professed their faith in Jesus. They weren't ashamed anymore. Interesting that these are the same people that said Simon's power came from the highest power. Now they meet the true power and they devote themselves fully to him. In verse 13, we're told that Simon himself believed. It seems like Simon's not going through the motions as the title of our message says this morning. It seems that maybe there's something to his faith. It's hard to tell in the text whether or not his faith was genuine at this point. But it seems genuine because he was baptized in water. He started attending the meetings that Philip was putting on. We call that church today. So he was a church attender. No doubt if he were here today and he had got saved last week, he would have been singing the songs. He would have been taking communion. He would be sitting and listening and participating and maybe even praying with others. That's what was going on. He began to live the Christian life. And then there's a transition in the next, group of, the next group of verses in 14 to 17. We see where the apostles are called to assist Philip, and, and this tells us a few things. First of all, it's important to note because there must have been a lot of converts to Christianity. In order for the apostles to be given word in Jerusalem and then make a decision, you know what, I need to leave the work that is here as big as Jerusalem is, the center of faith, that's where faith in Christ was born, was in Jerusalem, the early church in Jerusalem. We're going to leave two of the biggest names. They're the most famous, Peter and John. Are you kidding me? These guys came to help out Philip. It's also important to notice that Philip was an evangelist, not necessarily a pastor teacher. See, Philip's spiritual gifting was saving the lost, but his spiritual gifting wasn't developing their faith teaching them doctrine. He could. He did that, and he had been doing it for a while, but he needed some help. What does this teach us? It's okay to step out of your spiritual gifting to help out when you need to. It is okay to do that. However, to do it long-term could be detrimental to everyone, including yourself. If you are not called to be a pastor or a teacher, maybe standing up here is not the best place for you. If you are not called to uh, children's ministry, as much as they need help, it would be very detrimental to you and all of the kids of Waterhouse if you were there trying to make it work. Now, helping out in the nursery when they have no one for one day, somebody's got to step up. At some point, you don't need to feel led. You've got to get the let out. <laughs> some things have to be done. When there's a church work day, when they need, when, when, and we, we, I don't care, maybe you're cleaning something up, maybe you're building something, you can carry a hammer. You may not be able to swing it, I can't, but you can pick it up and hold it for somebody, right? 
There's some things you can help out occasionally, but if it's not your gifting, you don't need to stay there very long. Now, that may be contrary to what you believe or what you've been told. It, it, it might be. But it doesn't mean that it's not true, that we just have to be careful. Now, again, it's okay to help out. But if, you're, if it's not your primary gifting, don't settle down there. Verse 17 ends with the laying on of hands to impart some sort of spiritual gift. The laying on of hands was very normative, particularly in the New Testament. We read it multiple times. We read it multiple times. Here it says that the apostles came from Jerusalem. They prayed for the believers that were there because they had been baptized in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, but they, haven't been, they hadn't been baptized in the Holy Spirit. Now, I'm going to go ahead and say this too. A lot of times we can sometimes decide that we need to major on a minor point. Some people will read this group of text and they will say the whole point of this message is the laying on of hands to receive the Holy Spirit when that's not necessarily the truth. Is it true that the believers that were in Samaria, Samaria at that point received the Holy Spirit apart from their salvation by the laying on of hands by the apostles? Yes, that is true. Is it true that that can still happen? Yes, it was a normal practice in the New Testament all throughout the epistles. Church history also supports that. Is it the only way that the baptism of the Holy Spirit can occur? Absolutely not. Absolutely not. I know I have several personal friends that were simply sitting in their chair and were filled with the Spirit. It's up to God. It's also up to what our comfort level is. Some people don't want you touching them when they're being prayed for. Some people are like, you can kind of get the holy half halo going. Just don't touch me, you know, like you just do this, kind of surround me, but don't like full in hug me. It's, it's okay, especially nowadays, you know, you, you've got to be, you would be better off asking if they want you to lay a hand on their shoulder and to make sure that it's okay. But the point is this, something did happen. Something happened with the laying on of hands that particular day. It was the giver, it was receiving the gift of the Holy Spirit. And it had to have been quite a sight. There was something that did happen that was visible. Because Simon says, wow. He took notice. Now, if it only happened inwardly in someone's mind, how would Simon have known to take notice? How would he have possibly known outside of if they began to speak about it? But it doesn't say that as time went on, he noticed. It says, at the laying on of hands, the Holy Spirit came upon those group of believers, and then Simon took notice. And he took notice so much that he says, I've got a wad of cash, and I would like to exchange it for the ability to do that. We'll get into that in a moment. Whether it was speaking in other languages or tongues, which is what's listed in Acts chapter 2, and other parts, the text does not state but we can't deny, we cannot deny that Simon noticed some sort of outward manifestation that showed that the Holy Spirit was given. Perhaps it was the expression of spiritual gifts. Maybe people spoke prophetically. Maybe they spoke in tongues. Maybe they were giving words of knowledge. Maybe they were overwhelmed with joy and began to praise God in, in their language and other languages. Who knows? But it was something 
that people could see, they could hear. It was tangible. It was tangible. In verse 18 and 19, though, when we see that Simon begins to revert back into his old ways, when he starts to say, I want to pay for this ability, we start to see that he's not really that impressed with God. This is where he begins to go through the motions and that maybe he wasn't living a genuine life of belief and that he was just kind of going along for the ride. Now, is it really possible to say that you're saved, to only go through the motions and not really be saved? Absolutely. Absolutely. And I can say that because I am he. I was one that attended church faithfully that gave to the church regularly. And by regularly, I mean when I got paid, I wrote a check. And yet, I was not saved. It was just something I did. It was just the life that I was living. But it had no spiritual impact on me. If I had died before I came to actually know Jesus, I would have been guilty of going through the motions. And that's it. And, and, and it does happen. But here we see Simon taking it to the extreme. He's not impressed with God and what he's doing in the life of the believers. People are being saved all over Samaria. Philip is preaching a word outside of his own personal ability. The Holy Spirit is being given by the laying on of hands and something is happening. But instead of giving glory to God for what's going on, Simon looks inwardly and says, I want to be recognized for the ability to do something great. It seems like he missed his old lifestyle. He liked the recognition of being the master of the occultic arts. He liked the recognition of being the type of person that was known to be somebody. And this is a very dangerous place to be. It may seem odd to us in today's terms, but perhaps it looks like this. Maybe in regards to Pastor Neil, you go, you know, I really like what he does. And I really, I wonder what it's like to stand up on that stage or to make little short videos. I think I can do that. And it's not because you feel called to do it. It's not because you've got some inward desire that can only be described as a gift of God. Well, inside it needs to be released. But instead you're going, I want to be somebody. Even if it's just in this church, I still, I want to be somebody. Maybe, maybe it's the worship leader that sees this more than anyone else because everybody wants to sing and everybody wants to be on stage. And instead of saying, what can I do to support the work of the ministry? You go, okay, I need my microphone. This is mine. The word simony is used to describe who would purchase those who would purchase church offices. It may not always be applied to an outward gift, but truly it is applied to any spiritual gifts. So this is how this will go. We'll see somebody that says, you know, I should be in charge. After all, I pay a lot of tithes to this church. And there's a board election coming up and I deserve, a, I deserve for my voice to be heard. I know Pastor Neil and I know the church board. I understand church politics too, but I know their heart. I may not know yours, but I know their heart. And I understand this. 
Whenever we feel like we are owed and that we deserve a place or a seat at the table, we're placing way too much emphasis on the seat at the table and not enough emphasis on the one who makes the table possible. Now, I know those words are harsh, but they're no less true. No less true. I wish that I could say that I've never seen something like that happen in a church. Because the one thing that the church is accused of being over and over again is hypocritical. And this is very much a, a, a worldly way of living, completely separate from what Christian doctrine would tell us, to, how it would tell us to live our lives. You know, I, I work in the corporate world, and I've seen plenty of people step all over other people to get where they want to be. See it all the time, in and out of my employer, other places of employment. I see it in other nonprofit organizations, even in other churches, here and again. Not often, but I have seen it. If we're not guarding our hearts and setting clear boundaries that we will not cross as Christians, we can be guilty of going through the motions of Christian living. And we can find ourselves being just the person that we thought we never would be. Verses 20 to 23 are a strong reminder of how the Lord views this. What he has to say. This is what Peter answers. No doubt under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, he says this. May your money perish with you because you thought you could buy the gift of God with money. Those are strong words. May you die for your thoughts is what Peter said. Thus saith Michael Elogio. You have no part or share in this ministry. Friend, I want to tell you, if this becomes your standard of living, if your exercise of Christianity, your version of going through the motions, if someone is not bold enough to have this conversation with you, you will not make it. You will not make it. Peter may be harsh here, but Peter is doing it out of love for a brother. Because he wants to see him change. And he wants to see him in heaven. You can't deny that Peter has a heart for other people. Just read his epistles. He has a heart for the lost. He endured just as much suffering. Crucified upside down on a cross. Because he said, I'm not worthy to be crucified the same way that my Lord and Savior was. That is some love that I still have trouble comprehending. So for him to look at this man and say, you ain't right, but you need to get right. He had a good heart behind it. He said, repent of this wickedness. He called it what it was, and pray to the Lord in the hope that he may forgive you for having such a thought in your heart. And then he says this. Then he, it's like he reads his own mail. He says, for I see that you are full of bitterness and captive to sin. We have to remember, Simon was someone famous. Can you imagine a celebrity coming to faith and then losing all of their celebrity rights? Have we not seen that? And, and, and the, just the punch it is to their ego. For years, for decades, they've been, people have been telling them, oh, you are just, you're awesome pedestal. You are somebody pedestal. No one can do it like you pedestal. Till they elevate them so high that when they, God comes along and knocks them down, but saves their soul. 
They forget how to live as a normal person because they're so used to being placed up on a high pedestal. This is Simon. This was Simon. And Peter says, I see you're full of bitterness. He said, son, you were going through the motions. It's as if you didn't really give your heart to God. You were saying all the right things. You were doing all the right things, but your heart really wasn't in it. There was no change. There was no change whatsoever. To go through the motions is to try to shortcut the believer's walk in the hope of getting what you want. You can't shortcut God's way. Christian, if you go ahead and come back up. You can't shortcut the plan of God. To develop the Christian walk takes something called perseverance. It's not something that you're going to do in a week, a month, or even 10 years. It takes day by day, little bitty things consistently. We call it consistent obedience. What do I mean? I'm going to be obedient to the Lord's command. And I'm going to read his word daily as if I were writing it on my heart. I'm going to consistently pray to the Lord day by day as much as as often as I can so that I grow closer with him so that I get to know him more. I'm going to serve others before myself consistently so that I'm constantly reminding myself that Christ mirrored a, a, a humble lifestyle and a lifestyle that said others before self that I came to serve not to be served. And that doesn't happen quickly. It doesn't happen quickly. Friend, I will say this. If you are the one, if you are the one, you have an opportunity today to change things and to get off the path of going through the motions and instead get fully engaged with the Christian walk. Now, I'm going to abandon my notes for a moment. We're going to go maybe a different way. With every head bowed and every eye closed, this is tough. It's tough to admit that maybe you were going through the motions in the life of a believer, as the life of a believer. And, and that's the reason I'm asking every head to be bowed and every eye to be closed, not because um, for any other reason outside of I, want, I don't want you to be embarrassed or ashamed. But I'll also say if a believer makes you feel embarrassed or ashamed, they probably should have their hand raised too. So if that's you, if you're one that says, you know what, I've been going through the motions, maybe not to the degree of Simon, but maybe just lately, on a temporary basis, I've just been kind of strolling along, not really taking my faith serious. If you just raise your hand up quickly so that I could see it, because I want to pray for you, okay? I see, I see. I see, okay, you can put your hands down. Karen, do we have a prayer team? 
You can get those individuals to go ahead and come up. For those that are willing, there is something about the laying on of hands which is coming and just talking to someone. So I'm going to make it easy, though. I'm going to ask three different groups to come up. No one's going to know what group you're in because everybody's eyes were closed earlier. The first group is going to be if you have a need in your life of any sort, I want you to get up and I want you to come up to these that are at the front to offer prayer. And if you're comfortable with them laying hands on you, let them lay hands on you so that, so that God may do something. There's just, you know what, it's symbolic only, but there's something about today that I think is unique that God wants to do. Number two, if you need Jesus, if, you're, if you are saying, you know what, <laughs> I haven't gone through the motions because I've never encountered Christ, but, I, but there's something about this morning that I can feel changing inside of me, and I want you to come up. And if you're in the third category, I've been going through the motions. If you would, if you'd be brave enough to rise from your seat with all those others, right now quickly, if you're a member of any of those three, I want you to come up and meet us up here. We're going to pray for you. We're going to pray. You don't even have to tell the person what you want prayer for if you don't want to. If you choose to, you can. And for those of us that are still sitting, I want you to begin to pray that God would begin to move. Uh, if you want to pray in the spirit under your breath or just qu quietly, uh, let, let's pray that if you, if you are so willing because God's going to move. God's going to move. Let's just hang on for a couple of minutes and let's just see what, what God's up to this morning.
Heavenly Father, we just thank you for the work that you did this morning. We don't need a lot of demonstration to see your hand at work, but we, we simply look at the lives of those around us that are changed. And we see the joy that is in their eyes and know that your, your divine hand has had a hand in this, that you're working, that you're moving. I thank you for this body of believers, Lord. I thank you for a body that would meet together even when their pastor's out on vacation because they put a priority on Christ, on fellowship, and not neglecting that. And I pray in Jesus' name that you would bless them mightily, Lord, not because it's the Christmas season and not because it's anything that they've done, but simply because you love that big. And I pray, Lord, that your love would manifest itself in ways over the next coming weeks, Lord, that they are just in absolute awe of. For those, Lord, that that want to turn from going through the motions and said, I've been going through it for a, a little while, but, but, but I want to I get back where I need to be. Lord, enable them through the power of the Holy Spirit day by day to devote that day to you. For those that gave their life to Christ, Father, show them step by step how to follow you. For those that needed healing, Lord, we trust that the healing came in Jesus' mighty name. Amen and amen and amen.